Welcome to the Health Ignited Podcast with your hosts, Dr. Nick and Sonia Jensen. We are partners, parents, business partners, doctors, yoga teachers, and retreat leaders. We promise to bring you real conversations to awaken and ignite your potential to live your best life possible. Join us each week as we dive into topics varying from brain health, biohacking, hormones, and longevity, to relationships, parenting, meditation, and more. Together, creating community and building stronger foundations for the generations to come. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Health Ignited where Nick and I get together once a week to talk about hormones and relationships and our emotions and all the various um, things in our lives that will impact our health. Yeah, so for conversations like this and more, you can find us on all the major social media outlets, Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, and on YouTube. So be sure to subscribe and like for staying in touch with us. So this, this week's podcast is all about understanding the role of food and how it's affecting our hormonal system. And I think for many people, you know, we just sort of go through the motions. We try to make the best choices that we can for ourselves, not always aware of the impact of how these foods are affecting our hormonal system. And maybe some of you are aware, maybe you're not quite aware, but we want to give you some insight into this into more detail. Um, and so we're going to start off with a little story of what we've noticed in our own health, our own history, and what we've done to make some changes in our, in our diet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so for me, um, when I was younger, not really knowing that nutrition played a role in my hormones, but really suffering with my hormones and um, having heavy bleeds, not really being able to go out during my period because they were so heavy and, and so much pain and recognizing Finally, that I was eating, you know, chicken breast that was full of exogenous estrogens. I was eating fruits and veggies that were not organic. So again, more estrogen, and that was contributing to my symptoms. So it wasn't until I learned that what I put in my body every day was actually impacting my hormones. That's when things started to really change, and my relationship to my cycle started to change because of that. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I think for most people, they just sort of do a self-assessment of how they look physically. And, you know, they, you know, you're, you're hitting the gym really hard too, right? Mm-hmm. And you're, so you're exercising. And so you're getting a certain degree of results with doing what you were doing. Mm-hmm. But you weren't necessarily paying attention to, you know, your menstrual cycle, your mood, your, your energy and all those other things. You were just sort of gauging how you were doing based on how much muscle you could put on. As yeah. an example, right? Yeah, because the goal then was to, like you said, put on muscle and look a certain way, um, go to the gym. So I was following the, the high-protein diet mm-hmm. as much as I could. And um, it wasn't until I finally realized that this isn't working because internally I'm not feeling well, like you said, moods and my hormones themselves. So I really had to change that in order to change my health. Yeah, it, and so this is such an interesting chasm to to sort of traverse because we are so physically oriented to how we're perceiving our body right we're carrying a little extra weight are we able to push more weight maybe you know if if we're uh, sort of gauging ourselves with regards to gym or maybe maybe it's running or it's an endurance thing that we're looking for and all the other things that show up in life from digestive issues to headaches to you know maybe chronic pain to skin issues what have you that becomes a subset of symptoms that aren't always realized that they're correlated. And that's why I think the conversation leads is so important. I mean, I was kind of the same way. I mean, I think many of us in our generation were on the high protein diet, 
the whey powders, you know, constantly crushing them through the day, making sure you ate right after you worked out, all the typical recommendations for healthy eating and having a physically fit body. And that was sort of where, you know, where the two came together. But all the subsidiary, you know, symptoms that were there weren't understood as maybe problems to those food choices that we're making, right? Mm -hmm. And I think at that age too, um, like you said, we're so concerned about the outside and not so much the inside and we can kind of get away with eating a certain way because maybe it's not impacting our sleep or our energy and we don't realize it until we start aging that, okay, these like little things of like eating late at night are going to impact my sleep, so also impact my hormones or eating a certain way is going to impact um, how I feel during the day with my energy levels. So I think at that age, in our 20s, like it's just not top priority. Yeah. And we can get away with, you know, after studying all day, going to, I don't know, a fast food subway or whatever it is, and um, just getting something in and not really looking at the quality. Yeah, and so really what that, what's <laughs> happening back in, you know, in those years is the, the hormonal expression and utilization of those hormones is relatively strong. Mm -hmm. So, you know, hopefully people appreciate the fact that, you know, there's things you can get away with when you're younger, we all know this, that you can't do now, right? And and that, a lot of that, majority of that's actually happening through the hormonal system. There's just more availability of that hormone. There's more communication of that hormone. So despite the choices, we can get away with stuff. But are we willing to listen to those symptoms that are speaking to us maybe softly at first and then they get louder. So let's fast forward into now. You know, um, you, we are, you know, much more aware of the impact of the food choices we have on our physiology. But what does that look like now compared to then? Like, what do you notice more now? Is it faster? Is it more subtle? Like, what, do you, what are you paying attention to with the foods? Mm, yeah, so when I was eating a certain way, um, so for example, for a long time we were vegetarian. I feel like my hormones um, were doing really, really well. And then we started going a little bit more keto, started introducing other things. We started bringing dairy back in just a little bit. I started to notice instantly, like it wasn't this, like it's going to wait three to six months to show me mm -hmm. that it's impacting my hormones, but it was instant that my hormones didn't feel good. So I feel like now it's like I can't get away with having a little bit of this or that. I have to be really conscious about what I'm doing every single day to support them. Mm -hmm. So you, you kind of personalized your hormones. You said my hormones don't feel good. Mm -hmm. Like, so what, what does that mean for, you know, people that are tuning in? What does mm -hmm. it mean for your hormones not to feel good? Yeah, so I think when we start to pay attention to what symptoms are related to hormones, we can then connect those dots. So for menstruating women, for example, um, things like uh, heavy periods, pain during your period, mood changes leading up to your period, maybe those last two weeks, um, lower libido during that time, also um, swelling. So some women kind of swell up everywhere. Some just swell up in their breast area and then becomes painful. So there's these little things, um, acne around, especially the jawline for some women will show up and that is definitely connected to um, excess dairy in the diet. So when these things start to show up, uh, we, start to, we can then connect the dots between, okay, what did I do this month or the last couple of months that could be contributing to this buildup? of these hormones and then therefore impacting how I'm feeling throughout the month. Yeah, that's important. Like you, you sort of differentiated between, you know, what's happened, what did I do yesterday mm -hmm. versus like what I've, what I've been doing over the last few months, Yeah. you know, and 
I think, again, people don't really appreciate that, that it's this cumulative impact, but it's often, you know, maybe the reason why we're lingering in a cold or a flu or the reason why we're lingering in chronic pain or headaches is not just about the choices that we made earlier the day or the week before, but it could be sort of a buildup of things that have been going on for the last month or so. Yeah, mm -hmm. so that's important. I mean, recently, you know, we do a lot of fasting, obviously, and whenever we start to break the fast again after five days of water, um, I'm much more tuned into what my hormonal swings are. I'm also much more tuned into my full sensation. Um, like, for example, yesterday we had, we had a decent-sized lunch and then had a little bit of snacking in the afternoon, but when it came time to dinner, just, I wasn't hungry. My, my hunger signals were still you know, suppressed because my stomach had shrunk over that period of time. But it was also really, you know, listening to that, you know, um, on a regular basis when the stomach is of normal size, you know, because we're not fasting, the, the, our ability to process that food and, and get all the energy that we need out of it is happening in a more regular rhythm. But with that food at reintroduction, there's a, there's a whole hormonal communication system that's, that's different. And so the signals for fasting become more finely tuned. You become way more aware of the impact of the foods that you're choosing to bring in. And so just with this whole process of, of fasting and, and food reintroduction, it can be really a, a big aha moment when you start to recognize the impact of the food choices. So that's, that's something more recent. Obviously, we can get into a lot more stories of understanding the connection, but hopefully people really appreciate the fact that you know, your energy, your digestive function, your pain threshold, your inflammation, your sleep, your moods, uh, you mentioned libido, all of these things are going to be impacted through our food choices. Mm -hmm. So why are they impacted through food choices? Yeah. So let's talk about um, some of the, the, the main contributing foods that we feel are, are impacting. Um, but, but do you want to answer that little well, piece I there? You. Okay. <laughs> So why, the why is a big, is a big mm -hmm. question, right? So why could be a food sensitivity? You know, it could be that, that your immune system is literally having a reaction to that particular food, mm -hmm. which is driving inflammation, right? Or it could be an allergy. You could be allergic to the food, which is also an acute, you know, uh, inflammatory response. You, your body just may not be doing well with it at all. It could be impacting your blood glucose levels which is super common. Again, not everyone's paying attention to that either. Uh, it could have a, a toxicity component, maybe pesticides and things like that, and that's another you know, stress on the body. It could be the timing of when you're eating. You know, many of us are stuck in our late night eating patterns when you know, our hormones are trying to go into more of a rest and repair state as opposed to a digestive, digestive state. So we could be spiking insulin in inopportune times in the day, which could be messing with our system. So the why list is super long. I feel like that's a whole other podcast episode. Right, so yeah. those are the triggers, but I think just for people to understand like how food is actually impacting the hormones, like how, how are hormones and food connected. So like one part, big part of it is the microbiome. Mm -hmm. So the foods that we eat will influence our microbiome and then the microbiome is in charge with the liver um, to either release the excess hormones or we circulate the hormones or to regulate. So they're communicating with our hormones and if that communication system is off, then the foods that we eat will influence that communication. So I think just like bridging that gap of like, I mean, most of us know now that we need to eat well. Mm -hmm. And I think most people also know that, okay, if I don't eat well, my energy, my sleep, and all this is going to be impacted, but then there's a missing link between like, okay, well, how is it actually, like how is the inflammation actually impacting my hormones? 
Yeah. So, I mean, that, that's an incredible amount of detail that we could get into. Right. But I think understanding the relationship between the, the, the microbes are helping to break down the food that we're consuming. And so if we're eating a lot of dairy, for example, we're going to need a lot of microbes that help to support dairy manufacturing in the, in the body, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we talked about a lot about how these foods impacted us in our own history and some of the symptoms that seemed to show up for us. And we weren't always aware that the foods we were eating were contributing to these symptoms. But, you know, what, what do you think is, uh, or some of the mechanism, or what have you found as some of the mechanism or understanding how these foods are impacting our hormonal system? Well, there's probably certain foods that impact everyone differently um, because they mostly create inflammation. So one of the foods that I find impacts hormones deeply for a lot of women that I've been working with and even for myself is dairy. Um, reason being that regardless if you're having organic grass-fed versus just commercial dairy, um, there's still estrogen and progesterone in the milk. So that's going to influence how much hormone you have in your body. And there was a study that was done on children, men, and women, um, and they took urine samples before and after consuming certain amounts of dairy. And what they found for the children and the men was that um, there was an uprise of estrogen and progesterone, but then downregulation of um, LH, FSH, and also testosterone. So it was the same for women, but the impact was a little bit different because there's already higher amounts of estrogen and progesterone. So if somebody is sitting in a more estrogen-dominant state that way from that dairy, it's going to impact um, their body's ability to use it and how it's being used, which will then translate into symptoms like heavy bleeds and clots or acne is a big one when it comes to dairy or um, mood changes also will be contributed or the, the change in hormones will contribute to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's super important information, you know, just to realize that <clears throat> there's literally hormones inside, yeah. you know, the, the dairy products. Mm -hmm. And so you, it kind of makes you wonder, like, well, what if someone's just having... Um, butter or maybe ghee mm -hmm. or, or there's milk substitute or casein or things like that that are substituted into certain ingredients, uh, maybe even processed protein powders like the whey part. Mm -hmm. You know, it really makes you wonder just the impact of all those hormonal influences that are literally a part of that. Mm -hmm. And, you, and you, you highlighted that point earlier for me. Uh, you know, they, how do they access milk from these cows? They're, they're pregnant. Mm -hmm. Pregnant, giving birth, pregnant, giving birth. So this is their process all the time. So there's like the natural occurring hormones that they have in their bodies, but then they're also getting injected with um, steroids and antibiotics and all these things as well. So that there's this whole like pool of hormones now that your body has to deal with that's foreign to it. Yeah. And then, you know, there's going to be a direct impact on the microbiome, right? So that the more we consume a particular food group, the more that our, the bugs, as you like to call them, the bugs in our body have to adapt to, to mm -hmm. that food that's, being, that's there. And then mm -hmm. they have to help you digest that food, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, so for like women listening, that if you're having like cystic acne, especially around like the chin area, um, it is often due to dairy. So I would say like take dairy out for a little while and see if that alone starts to change how your skin is um, doing before your periods. Yeah, so um, I mean, dairy, yeah, dairy is definitely a big one. And then what about people who say aren't sensitive to it, people who are, 
getting, you know, organic, grass-fed? Do you think that there's, you know, a role for some of these other, other types of dairy? Because I imagine most of the studies mm -hmm. are done on non-organic milk mm -hmm. or... Yeah, I mean, that study was comparing the two and okay. the results were the same. It didn't matter if it was organic or not. Um, I think then we go deeper into the body of, like, how's that person's system um, processing the dairy? Like, what's their liver health like? What's their gut health like? Ancestral connection like are they actually able to process that protein you were talking about in the milk the casein and so how is their body going to process it when it comes to ghee it's being boiled so there's no casein there's no lactose so you're definitely getting rid of a lot of those proteins i don't know the answer to the estrogen progesterone piece when it comes to ghee but we know that it'll have a less of a load if it's organic and grass-fed yeah and here's here's another component like a lot of the dairy products are given in containers that are plastic. Mm -hmm. You know, the even the the packaging for like butter, mm -hmm. you know, like the, the 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 material that you know you package it up in, that could be toxic as well. And so because it's a fat, it's gonna extract the toxin out of the material that it's contained mm -hmm. in. Like these are all these other little things that most people aren't paying attention to, but that also is gonna influence the quality of that dairy product, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, dairy can be a big one. Uh, you know, dairy, you know, quote unquote, isn't bad. It's just that obviously there can be disruption. And when you look at the manufacturing of it and how it's broken down and you know, what could be contained in it, obviously there's a lot of stuff there. So another one, I mean, kind of goes without saying, but sugar, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, I don't know how many people are looking at labels and, and actually reading how much sugar is actually on the label. But uh, is there some criteria that you look at when it comes to sugar? if it is listed as an ingredient like is there a limit that you go like okay anything above this is not okay well i look at where it's coming from so mm. if it's coming from like fruit or um something like that then i'm looking at what product it is i mean if you could just not have processed foods i would say that would be the mm -hmm. first choice um so your sugars then come from like natural sources like fruits and veggies and things but if you are like for example our kids i mean they definitely get some processed things, like they're made good bars that they take to school. So I have shown them um, the sugar component on the, the back, and I would say five grams or less mm -hmm. is um, kind of an okay for me right now. Um, but I wouldn't say more than that because, again, what the sugar is doing is just causing inflammation in your body. So the more inflammation you have, the more pain you will probably have during your cycle too because now your body's dealing with that inflammatory process. Yeah, and it, I mean, it's a huge rise in blood sugar. Obviously, mm -hmm. you eat sugar, your blood sugar is going to rise, insulin is going to rise, which is your fat storing hormone. Potentially, you know, your cortisol is going to also rise, your stress hormone. So there's a lot of, you know, realities that are going to show up hormonally speaking when you're consuming sugar. Obviously, your microbiome changes too, right? Another one that, that's significant. And especially with the liquid carbohydrates, right? Like alcohol. I mean, it's, it's the most mm -hmm. potent form of sugar you can consume. It literally has no caloric value to the body other than offer sugar. There's no proteins in it. There's no fats. Mm -hmm. there's, there's nothing that's giving you any quality of value. And it's actually a toxin. It's like a poison in your body. So even if someone's consuming, I don't know, a drink or two or three every night, you know, that's, that's a huge caloric load. That's a huge sugar load into the body, which is constantly spiking up that insulin dominant mm -hmm. state, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So what's another one? So um, another thing to think about is, are the fruits and veggies that you're having, are they organic? Because mm -hmm. of the pesticides that are sprayed, they mimic and look like estrogen. So now you have more estrogen in your body from outside. 
And again, your body's having to deal with detoxifying it, and most often it will recirculate it because there's many of us that have some sort of gut inflammation that we're dealing with. So this is for men and for women, and that increases your estrogen load, which then translates into those symptoms that we were talking about before. Yeah, yeah. There's a terazine. We were looking at that one mm -hmm. chemical that's sprayed on, I think it's rice or wheat crops, but it's it's you know it's ubiquitous, and it was actually converting male fa uh, salamanders into female. Like that's mm -hmm. a that's a direct like uh, you know these are tiny little creatures. Obviously, they absorb a ton through their skin. And uh, it's changing their physiology. It's it's mind blowing to think that you know at that micro level. You know and this is you know even with you know toxic spills, the, the Ohio one uh, that happened recently, the the first sign of toxicity was the fish started dying, the birds started dying, right? So you start seeing the impact on the wildlife, and when it starts to change to that degree, you know it's just a matter of time where it bioaccumulates to the degree in the body mm -hmm. where it becomes really problematic. So these pesticides literally are toxins, and they're estrogen mimicking, as you said, and they really throw off the hormone balance. And you see this for a lot of men. A lot of men have this really high level of SHBG, sex hormone binding globulin, which is literally interfering with at least 98% of your total testosterone load. So even if you're reading normal in your blood work, you can have a huge amount of ex exogenous estrogen, which is directly impacting your utility of this, this mm -hmm. hormone testosterone. So yeah, the looking at organic versus non-organic. And that whole discussion is tricky too, right? Because mm -hmm. you don't know how much organic is actually organic, depending on yeah. how far away the farms are and what the, the rules are of that maybe province, country, or whatever. Yeah. And so you just don't know. Yeah. yeah. So you just do your best, really. Yeah. I mean, there's, I think, you know, we, I think hopefully most people realize that as consumers, we drive the behavior of, you know, big corporations with our buying choices. So yeah. if collectively more of us, you know, and not everyone can afford to understand that, but if we just start to make more choices in that organic department, it's going to force change because those other products just aren't going to be purchased, mm -hmm. right? And that's, that in itself is going to make a significant dent mm -hmm. in what's being consumed by us, you know, so... Uh, and then another one would have been just the oils. Like, mm -hmm. like let's talk about the oils because that's huge for inflammation yeah. and hormonal balance. Yeah, and so like, if you're eating out a lot, for example, um, in restaurants when they're cooking, they're using canola oil. And canola oil or any processed vegetable oil is going to create, again, more inflammation. It's going to impact your cell membranes, mm -hmm. which then will impact how your body is absorbing your hormones and all your nutrients. So for that communication system now, is not working very efficiently, it will then damage um, your DNA. So if we're damaging our cells, our DNA, communication is off, then of course our hormones are getting the um, nutrition and the communication that it needs to actually function well. Yeah, and inflammation, you know, we, we sort of think of that word inflammation as just something that happens in our body, but it's literally happening on that cell membrane, Yeah. right? And so to your point, you know, because hormones have to communicate through the cell membrane into the mitochondria inside the cell, if, if you've got the wrong kinds of fats, it's oxidation, it's inflammation mm -hmm. at that membrane, which is interfering with that communication. Yeah. And so that's so disruptive. And there, Kate Shanahan, a medical doctor, she, she wrote a, a number of papers and books on understanding the role of fats. And you know, she, I think some of the, the estimation is that some of these toxic fats literally live in your body for- Over 200 days. Like that's crazy. Mm -hmm. So yeah. if you're eating out, or you're, you're you know, eating oxidized fats, fast foods, a lot of these things, it's in your body for mm -hmm. 
potentially a year. Mm -hmm. Like it's yeah. insane. Yeah, and when Nick was talking about like the fat soluble component of like milk and other things, and what that means is that it'll absorb things from its environment and store it. So if we're eating these unhealthy oils and then combine that with the toxicity of like the pesticides and everything else, they're all making little packages in your body mm -hmm. and then they're staying there stagnant in your cells causing more damage, which will then influence your energy levels, how you're sleeping, um, just, you know, you might be working out a lot and all of a sudden you're not getting the results that you want and it's because the damage that these oils are doing in your body. Yeah. Um, so last one that I can think of, you know, the whole topic around animal protein, mm -hmm. you know, and you and I have been vegetarian for a number of years. There's all sorts of reasons why we shifted to more of a vegetarian lifestyle. And then as we've talked about before, there's reasons why we've come back to animal protein. But it's one of those things where I think people just, protein is protein. And it's just so not true. It's the same kind of thing that we've been talking about here. So you might be on a paleo diet or keto or whatever. You might be doing, you know, quote unquote, dirty keto putting a ton of protein in your body and that's signaling hormonal change with insulin and whatnot, but it's just like the dairy conversation. If the dairy's low quality, you're gonna get the same, you know, hormonal influence from the meat as well as mm -hmm. the milk. And mm -hmm. so that quality of that protein is really important. Yeah, we're really trying hard with our kids too. Like we take them to the local butcher and then we get them to ask questions of like, where is, um, where is this being sourced and what are they being fed so that they know what kind of questions to ask and the unfortunate thing is especially in North America we have to be so diligent with all of this where yeah. many other countries have strategies and rules around their foods so they don't have to be so particular but here I think we just have to make more of an effort because again it's going to translate into inflammation in our body. Yeah. So there's lots to talk about here. There's so many different types of foods that can be impacting your hormonal system. Hopefully you guys have got a bit of an idea of, of understanding the relationship between you know, the food choices, the impact on our microbes, to how it affects us at a cellular level and how it communicates into our cells. And what that means for our symptoms, for our energy, for hair growth, for brain function, for relationships, our mood, our libido, mm -hmm. you know, our skin. All of these things are impacted constantly by the food choices that we make. And so, you know, what's a, like, what, What's a how-to, like where, where do people start? Because there's a whole yeah. lot of places that people start, but what's, what are a couple of things you think are super important for people to start yeah. to implement? So maybe first um, start tracking, like what am I eating every day and how am I feeling? So maybe making a list of like your quality of your sleep, the quality of your, your energy. If you're a menstruating woman, really looking at your cycle, like what symptoms are showing up, um, especially after ovulation. So once you get to know yourself a little bit um, better, then you can maybe pluck one thing out, mm -hmm. you know, maybe take out the dairy that month and see how you feel. Maybe look at the dirty dozen um, online to see, okay, these are the fruits and veggies that hold on to more of those pesticides. So maybe looking at the clean list and focusing on that. So uh, ewdg.org, right? Yeah, so you can get lists from there. And then also looking at um, anything that's going to disrupt your hormones in regards to that excess estrogen. We talked about the meat, the dairy, and mm -hmm. the, the pesticides you can just follow an anti-inflammatory diet and see how that feels and then go back to your tracking sheet to see, okay, maybe my energy improved, maybe my sleep was better. Um, bowel movements. Maybe bowel movements were better. Maybe my period wasn't as heavy. So once you start to see that, then you can start to know, okay, what are the lifestyle changes I can make every day that will then impact my hormones. Yeah, and then and then how would, how would you know what your hormones even look like? You'd have to... Yeah, you have to test. You have to test. Yeah, yeah. you always want to test. Test and track. 
those are the two ways that you can really figure out what's going on in your system. Mm -hmm. So there's lots of different ways to test. Mm -hmm. You know, we can get up, we've gotten on that uh, on different podcasts too, but basically you can do a, a dry urine hormone test, you can do a blood test. Those would be probably the most reliable. And then you, you can also test your food sensitivities. You can check your blood sugar after you eat. You know, there's, you can check your DNA test to find out, you know, what are your predispositions for your ability to break down certain types of foods. So knowing what to do with this information is really important. Obviously testing plays a big role and having some experience with mm -hmm. making these changes in your food. Yeah, and yeah. remembering like food's medicine, but it can also be the opposite if we're not eating the quality food that our body needs. So recognizing that relationship with food is so important. This is something that we're doing every single day. And sometimes we can spend like thousands of dollars on supplements and all the various things, the biohacks, all of it. But if we don't go down to the foundation, like what am I doing every single day that's going to improve or disconnect me from my health, then those other things don't really matter. Mm, that's a super important point. Yeah. All right. There you go. So you may have been following us for a little while, or maybe you're brand new to our channel. Either way, we want you to have the opportunity to really deepen your experience of what you're learning. Either you worked with us virtually, you've done some of our courses, um, but we want to give you the opportunity to be in the fold of our community, to be with us more regularly, and that's the Health Ignited Club. Yeah, community is so important to us, and we learn so much from each other. And I think getting together when we do once a month, it just um, invites us to ask more questions about ourselves, about our journey, about our health. So we would love for all of you to join us there. Yeah, and you know, so much of our health plans are really dictated around life. Life is crazy, life is challenging. It's easy to fall off the wagon, so to speak. We've got a touch point each month and we've got resources for you in the membership portal. There's so much to keep you in, in the mo momentum and the motivation of, of really making everything that you're learning into a lifestyle practice. Mm -hmm. It's all about accountability and support. Yeah, so join us there in the Health Ignited Club. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Health Ignited Podcast. Be sure to download, subscribe and share as we build this conscious community together. You can also find us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and our website, drsjensen.com. Please note all information on this podcast is not and should not be taken as medical advice. Please see a healthcare professional to receive the care needed. Thank you for sharing this time with us, igniting your health freedom. And welcome to the tribe.